I think what matters most for curiosity is looking at things with fresh eyes. So you're taking a, a kind of a fresh look at the situation. And that's why it can't rotely be done. So the reframe needs to be genuinely asking yourself, like, how can this situation like somehow bring out my best right now? So you can get a sense of the newness of it. Hey, this is Sharif here with another episode of The Golden Hour, joined by Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, good to be here with you again. Hey, Sharif. It's great to be back. Yeah, Kevin. Well, I thought in this episode we could return to a foundational concept of ours, which is reframing. We've gotten a number of interesting comments from people who listen to the podcast recently on this topic. So I thought I could briefly just introduce those ideas, uh, and then we could do a deeper dive into reframing. How's that sound? Sounds great. Great. So, well, one of the the comments was, you know, a great compliment to Optimal Work, which is that in their experience, what's been uniquely beneficial about Optimal Work is the concept of reframing. They see that as as core and something that separates Optimal Work from other maybe kind of self help programs. You might say, uh, in that those seem to emphasize more positive self talk that sort of thing, kind of pumping yourself up, whereas reframing acknowledges the fact that, hey, we need to grow. And this opportunity is the precise, uh, this challenge is the price, precisely the opportunity for that. So they like the realism of reframing and, and saw it as, as kind of setting optimum work apart from other programs. Now, the, so the other uh, comment from, from a listener was that they had the sense over time that their reframes were becoming insincere. So the question was, how do you know if you've really reframed and how do you over time prevent it from kind of becoming rote? That's a, yeah, these are great questions. And reframing is the heart of our approach. It's really the heart of cognitive behavioral therapy. To properly understand what a reframe is, is, is essential. Because all of cognitive therapy essentially begins and ends with reframing. So to find what's the thing that you need to reframe, what's the challenge that you are instinctually avoiding, and then how do you come to have a new view of it, a new, a new vision of it? And I think this person is very perceptive to suggest that reframing can become insincere. Reframing involves a kind of relationship. You know, in a relationship, if you're really sincere in... A, prioritizing the other person and the bond that you have, you keep in touch with the other person as they really are, you know, and their, their real, you know, their real needs and how you can um, really be prioritizing them. There's a kind of realism involved, the sincere you know, that, that comes with really letting your attention truly break through your model of the person, your, the thoughts you may have of them, to the person really as they are in themselves and to seek their actual good and to seek the bond. So we often talk about sincerity in the context of bonds because it means breaking through your view of a person or your view of a, you know, in this case, a view of a situation. To be sincere in a reframe then means not to rotely tell yourself something and to think that that's the reframe. So it's not to let your own imagination, the words playing in your head, somehow stand in for reality 
and then you're having a new view of reality. So reframing doesn't mean that you just say the words in your head, this is an opportunity, bring it on. I think that you know, initially when people first learn how to reframe, just using the word opportunity or learning or practice almost feels magical to them because they, as soon as they just use that word and connect it to something, they see there's, wow, like I can view this in a whole new way. But then the problem is that becomes rote and they use their imagination as the stand-in for the real reality. You know? And so they end up rotely doing things. So anyway, I think the we can, you know, the, the deeper question in this is how do you know that you've really reframed something? And maybe that's what this is getting at. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was interesting when you brought up, because I, I was thinking about this, that you, when you said, okay, it's not just repeating words in, in your head, but I know that we have referenced in the past the fact that just saying the words growth, practice, learning is is itself a, uh, can help you reframe. So I like the distinction that over time that itself gets rote. So the reframe needs to be something new. So does that mean that you can't use the same reframe over and over again? I mean, for example, if someone encounters a difficult task at work and they say, okay, I, I'm going to do this for my family. You know, I know it's going to be difficult, but by doing this work well, you know, I, I want to, I'm helping to support my family. So that's their reframe. Does that mean that every reframe, including even that one, which seems to kind of touch the, the core of who they are, uh, it would uh, just diminish its effectiveness would kind of diminish over time that reframes have a kind of lifetime to them? Yeah. And I think this is the, this is the danger of trying to reduce reframing to words because words are a left brain phenomenon in us and reframing is a right brain phenomenon. So they could go together, maybe especially in the beginning. But then in the end, you end up not really meaning it as much. And that's the insincere part. So you end up just rotely saying the words in your head. So any insight can grow old if you do that to it. If you reduce the insight to the words. What was really magical about the first time people learned reframing is that they actually saw reality in some new way. That they were curious about reality. And then we're genuinely asking that question, how is this an opportunity for me to grow or to learn or to practice something? It's the curiosity involved that is, I think, the great proof that reframing is actually taking place. Because curiosity puts us always back in touch with reality, with what is. Getting past our model of how it should be or the way we, our preferences for what we wish it would be like when you sit down to work, you might have preferences for what you would like it to be like, but that doesn't help you to, to, to view the task in actually in a more positive way or to view like to see the opportunities in it, hidden within it, perhaps. There are opportunities hidden in every moment that can only be accessed through genuine curiosity. And that's why you can do it rotely, because you can't rotely be curious. I'm convinced that curiosity is the foundation of reframing because it gets us back to reality in itself out of our own minds and that's why it's not compatible with just like saying certain words in your head or substituting other goals that you do feel good about instead of what you have to do right now so it's like yeah i'll put up with this work right now because tomorrow i'm going on vacation and that kind of lifts my spirit 
So reframing is not affirmation. It's not substitution. It's actually contact with reality. So just learning to be curious about something, interestingly, does all the work of reframing. It opens you back up to what is, and then you're already, by being curious about it, you're treating it like an opportunity. So if you want to treat like whatever challenge you're facing in upcoming work as a real opportunity for growth, then curiosity is how you, in fact, start doing mm. that. Okay. Now, okay, th this is getting very interesting, so I'm, I'm liking it. So uh, now I, I've always thought of reframing as kind of having two parts. So you have the thing that you need to reframe. So say it's a, a difficult task or a difficult relationship or something, something of that nature. And then you have the new frame that you're going to, you know, view that thing through. So, or see it in terms of, okay, I see that now this is an, an opportunity to practice the ideal of patience or an opportunity to serve someone. So you, you have the situation and then you have now the, the new frame. Um, and the frame is, is kind of always in, involving some type of judgment of, of the situation. Now you can say, okay, now it's, the situation is good because it's an opportunity. But it seems like curiosity doesn't quite get you there. That curiosity is focusing more on the first thing of, of just the situation, but it doesn't actually get you to a new frame or, or maybe curiosity itself is the frame is what you're going to tell me. But, um, but, but where do you get to the point where now you've, you've judged that this thing is an opportunity? It seems like curiosity doesn't it maybe opens you up to get to that point, but it doesn't get you there on its own. If that makes does that make sense as a, as a it question? It does. No, it's a, it's a it's a that's a it's a it's a deep challenge, you know, to to to, to this idea that curiosity can get you all the way there. Uh, the way I would see it is if we are trying to apply ideals, kind of a priori perceived and held to then a new situation, we run the risk of turning them into rules. So, and, and then setting like as, and that can subtly convey a sense of the possibility of failing. So I think what curiosity does is by leading with reality and just making contact with it to try to really investigate what is it about this challenge that for me is hard right now. You know, and then trying to be curious about, tr you know, even in your mind, trying out different ways you could be growing in the face of it. Well, like, okay, what would it be like to approach this in a more cheerful way? That's also curiosity leading the way. What would it be like to do this in a more loving way? You know, how could this make, you know, right now, what would be the opposite reaction I could have in this to what would I would automatically have? So I think curiosity stays with the reality of the situation and then really investigates it from the inside out without applying a rule to it as in i must be patient i must be loving i must be whatever it might be yeah the the other element to it is i think uh, or another is the rote way of reframing just kind of has this appeal of hey it it always works uh any situation that's difficult i can just say oh well it's an opportunity to grow but actually the flip side of it saying, well, that always works in any situation is that it actually never, it never works because it's never a real yeah. reframe. It's just words I've said in my head. It's a formula. Yeah. 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 
So, but that that kind of raised a question with the idea of curiosity or an issue or problem, uh, which is that it, it seems very open ended. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to be curious about? Should I be curious about my response to this situation? Oh, I wonder why I felt that, why I feel that way, or I wonder what you know childhood trauma is leading me to respond in this way, or do I am I curious about the thing in itself? Um, I wonder why this person feels the need to say that particular thing. Or you you kind of alluded to the idea of or that being curious about the ideals that could motivate you, so the, the best way of acting. So that seems like another avenue for curiosity. So are, are these all valid or are, is one better than the other? How do you how do you like concretely propose that we be curious? Well, this in this sense, curiosity defies all roteness. Because you're asking, how can I look at this situation in a new way? So the newness of it is in specifically right brain novelty, looking at this from a, a, like a, trying to have a new set of eyes to actually look on it. So like if my current if the current scales were to fall from my eyes, and my old rote way of viewing this were completely set aside for just a moment, then what would be the hard part about this for me? What would be the challenge here? What would be like how? You know, what, what would be a new way for me to be engaging this? I think what matters most for curiosity is looking at things with fresh eyes. So you're taking a, a kind of a fresh look at the situation. And that's why it can't rotely be done. So if you're always, so the reframe needs to be genuinely asking yourself, like, how can this situation like somehow bring out my best right now? So you can get a sense of the newness of it. Uh, in the end, yes, it is really like if we could genuinely be loving and serving in every single action, I think it, love does make all things new. And so I think it does, like, it would stay fresh that way because I think love is always right-brained. You know, so, and it's, it's always going to be allied with the true reframe and being in touch with reality itself. So I'm just saying curiosity is an interesting angle for knowing you're getting there. Because if you have been, if you're facing a, a challenge and a task and you're having a hard time seeing it as an opportunity, it means because somehow you've gotten stuck in a fixed view of it. So curiosity is how you directly get at fixity. So they're like, look, okay, now I'm to aim for something, a new way of viewing this. So it ends up being surprisingly powerful for being such a subtle maneuver that just getting yourself curious about something, already somehow you encompass it in a new way. It's like you become larger than the challenge, and the challenge becomes then more easily internalized when you can genuinely be curious about it. So that, okay, Kevin, now I mentioned earlier that reframing is is like our the core idea in our approach and, and you agreed with that. Now I'm starting to think, well, we talk about reframing as widening the context, but uh, now it seems like what you're saying is, is maybe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe it's less reframing so much as just like kind of unframing. It's like, okay, you have this fixed view, you have this frame, let's just, you know, throw that out and just approach the thing as it is. So uh, I wonder if, if in, you know any frame that you have is going to kind of limit the context, is going to narrow your focus a little bit. So part of what you seem to be proposing here is just 
you know, unframing or like no frame. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, what you're trying to do is get past the modeling of the situation and the people in it and yourself that is continually happening. We just constantly are generating a rote model, you know, uh, some fixed mechanical way of interacting with others. You know, and so we we end up then not savoring the good in people. We end up not noticing the good in people. Just when you work with like people, you know, with married couples, it can be astounding how much someone can improve and their spouse never sees it. Or it takes six months or a year for the spouse to notice that there's been any change. Even though the person has had a total change in 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 their approach to something or in their approach to emotions in general or to challenge in general. And then eventually the family catches on. So it's it's just that we we see other people and we see situations in such a fixed way, and all of us necessarily do it because it's efficient. Our brains is just our brains have a hard time deliberately doing every single motion of the body. If you're going to think about in your next break, are you going to walk to someplace? Will every single motion you do be deliberate? No, some of them will be automated, just because you have to have an economy of effort. Well, that same economy of effort is involved in how we view things. So it's very easy for us to get stuck. So what reframing tries to do, or as you're saying here, unframing, uh, is just how do you get out of these fixed models and then really engage reality in itself? And that is the sign that you're now, I think, coming to a new view of a challenge. You're directly in contact with it and not you're not seeing it through the lenses that you used to see it. Yeah. So, uh, now as you say that it reminds me a lot of mindfulness is the idea of making contact with reality that mindfulness is meant to be this simple awareness of the present moment and what is, and this kind of contact with being. So, uh, are, are we now merging a little bit? reframing and mindfulness. It's kind of interesting because I think previously when we've talked about how the steps in a sense merge as uh, we advance in our practice of them, we've often talked about uh, reframing and challenge merging a little bit that if you're reframing according to an ideal and you create, you know, generate an image in your mind of what it looks like to do this task well, that provides a reframe that also gives you in some way a new challenge to strive after. But now we're, we're talking about a combination of reframing and mindfulness. So I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it seems to me that there are these qualities that always involve reframing mindfulness and the internalized challenge. So to do something with a very great like zeal and love well, that kind of that attitude, like to be doing this tough task for the love of another person. Well, the challenge there is the love, the reframe is the love, and you're mindful of the love. So in fact, reframing mindfulness and challenge merge in this one quality of love. I think that has to do with simply how noble a quality that is. So I think that this is true of all primarily right brain kind of qualities. Curiosity, I think, is another one of them. Interestingly, with curiosity, you start with openness to what is. Then with that, you start to have a new vision, a new frame. 
And then already you find yourself engaging the challenge in a new way. Because just coming to see the challenge in a, some new light as an opportunity already is you engaging this challenge. So people can develop a lot of just habits of avoiding even thinking about something in a new way. It's like you think of any argument you've witnessed two people have. As soon as people are arguing, they tend to already then have a locked view of the problem and it just shuts down their ability to be curious about it. So a lot of times when you're helping someone who's stuck in one of these things, a contest of wills with someone else, one of them has to like let go and start to just be curious about why am I holding this so strongly? What am I afraid will happen? What, what's my mind telling me right now? What, what does it feel is at stake in this? And just curious. So by being curious about a challenge, you're in fact already, you've internalized it. Somehow now you're embracing it just by being curious of it. So it's like curiosity seems to me to be one of the most simple ways of starting the work of reframing mindfulness and internalizing a challenge because it contains all three. Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, okay, two follow-up questions. So one is, let me ask them both, otherwise I'll forget. Uh, what, the first is, our, okay, curiosity then, it has this kind of magical property that's a reframe, a mindfulness, and a challenge all at the same time. Uh, are there any other attitudes or approaches or mindsets that that have this magical quality to them? Or is curiosity the only one to your knowledge? Okay, that's question number one. Then question number two is that, so I've always heard that there's this virtue of studiositas, uh, which is the keen application of the mind to its proper object. And that like all virtues, it's the mean between you know two extremes. One extreme being laziness, where there's no keen application of the mind. Um, and then the other extreme being curiositas, where it's the keen application to, of the mind to the wrong object, which is just maybe surfing Wikipedia to like find random facts. Uh, so can you just maybe clarify a little bit what the distinction between how you conceive curiosity here and how we've been describing it and curiosity, curiositas, maybe as is traditionally defined as this kind of extreme just wandering of the mind? Yeah, those are those are great questions. I think that in in talking about these these qualities that combine all three, that in fact every ideal does do that if you genuinely hold it. So to be, you know, to be courageous, you know, already courage, then you could think, well, this is going to mean that that's that's the reframe, whatever this threat is, this is my opportunity to practice courage. You know, courage already, I think, takes in the fear and leans into the challenge. So in many ways, I think every ideal, you know, because we talked about love doing this already, and you could probably just go through all of them and say that um, probably this is the sign then that you have gotten into the right hemisphere, that these things are, are now they've merged to be all the same. And that to the extent that they're separate, we're still in some way kind of stuck in a, a left brain view of things. That the right brain is always whole and entire. And that's why, like in internal family systems, we've been talking about in a couple of podcasts, you know, the self, as it's understood there, is always right brain, it's always whole. And then the parts are essentially all left brained. 
you know, these these habitual intentions and parts of us that are trying to get things done. But that's always a partial view of things. So I would say that, yeah. So in, in some sense, all fully like when you really are seeing the ideal in itself and using it for the basis of embracing a challenge, that they're all going to be the same at that point. I hope that does that, does that sound. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds reasonable. Sound, yeah. I don't want to be like, I'm talking around it, but I think it's, you know, but, uh, and so the, the sense that they all feel like it's the same thing now might be the best sign that in fact, you've accomplished it. You've, it's a true reframe and it's giving you the right way of being mindful and the right way of leaning into the challenge all at once. Now, getting to the second point, which is a deeper question in some sense about is curiosity a virtue or a vice? Classically speaking, it's a vice. Um, studiosity was the, is the keen application of the intellect to its proper object. But in this sense, modern usage has flipped these things. So studiosity isn't a word in English anymore. So, and, so curiosity ended up taking on the good meaning in some contexts. When it comes to the practical intellect engaging an upcoming action, the most salient aspect of that is the challenge that it faces. So the real proper object for the practical intellect is the challenge as a challenge. And so, in fact, coming to view this challenge and to study it, you know, and to look at the different angles and to see it in a new way, which is what the keen application of the intellect would do, is in fact, this is the virtue of curiosity. So, so being curious about a challenge is the best possible use you can make of getting your practical intellect to engage in upcoming challenge. It's how you make sure that in fact, you're not rotely doing it and you're not relying on imaginary words in your head, but you're really engaging it with your full intellect. Okay. Okay, great, Kevin. That's, that's very helpful. Uh, well, I mean, th th those are all the questions I have on this topic. So I don't know if you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with, Kevin. Maybe just say that this is a kind of quality that in itself, again, is the, sets the foundation for reframing. That in order to reframe any challenge, you have to like be open to it. You have to be curious about it. So it might be if some people haven't heard us talk about curiosity much before, that they could be curious about, okay, is this actually a powerful tool? Is this going to work? Could this do anything? And I would encourage that curiosity. And just keep it next time you're facing a challenge, or even right now when you're done hearing this, think about what's going to be the most challenging thing you're facing later today. And try to see if you could imagine what it would be like to see it suddenly with new eyes, as if it's like another person seeing it, and to see it as potentially be bringing out your best. Try to like, if people can be curious about upcoming challenges and how they might actually be exactly what they need and that they're going to give them these opportunities, that curiosity then sets them on a path of sure growth. So that, that is curiosity that I see as no potential for being a, you know, the, the vice, uh, but instead is the best application of their intellect. Wonderful. Kevin, thank you so much. It's been great. All right. Thank you, Shreve. All right. We'll be back next week. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. 
Don't forget to check out OptumWork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.